This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And of course, AL. And today, all the way from the Dominican Republic vacation spot, we have somebody who's going to show you how to buy and sell off his app, sell app. We have the CEO, Mr. Keith White, all the way from the Dominican Republic. How are you doing, sir? Great. Thank you. That was a great announcement. Well, I, I'm trying to get warmed up just off off your energy. So it's it's, it's you know it's, it's gonna. Be, I'm putting a lot of pressure on you to say warm, warm us up while we I suffer in Seattle, Al suffers in New York, and you are in the Dominican Republic. Hopefully on a great uh, work and vacation because I know a CEO entrepreneurs we never stop. So tell us. Um, I just want to know first what's going on in the DR. Uh, well, DR actually uh, is really like a second home to me. I've been actually coming to the DR for 20 years, started uh, here uh, vacationing, vacationing, and then just kind of fell in love with the place. And actually, uh, about seven years ago, I did a partnership with, uh, at that time, one of the local wireless carriers in the country called Orange, actually with Sony Music Latin out of Miami in Orange. And so we were the first uh, to put premium downloadable music uh, on the cell phones of Orange's 3 million customers. So we built a platform that acted as the bridge between Sony Music's digital catalog and um, the wireless carrier Orange customers. And so, uh, I, you know, having loved the place, uh, I decided to figure out a way to work here and was able to get that deal done. And that was really um, probably the first mobile venture I actually did um, anywhere in the world was here right in the Dominican Republic. So I'm still here. Wow. And you have a background, um, you know, in just, um, I mean, a, a few things. I mean, you've worked with IBM and, and, and I can tell, you know, with your limited amount of postings on LinkedIn that like you're a... Um, you know, a, a creative on the on the back end, probably the front end of tech. Um, where when did this love of tech and and building platforms and we're, we'll get into Cell App, which you know everybody downloads Cell App right now from, I'll say your Play Store and whatever you folks use for iPhone. I don't know, but you guys download it too in the Apple Store. I guess they call that small thing. But when did your love of tech come? Um, and, and hit you? Well, really, it started, I would say, 2001. I uh, owned a television syndication company, very similar to how, how Byron Allen got started. Actually, there were only three black uh, television syndicators and distributors uh, in the United States. Byron Allen was one in L.A. I was in D.C., and there was a guy by the name of uh, Frank McCardle. And 
the model that Frank Ricardo and I had was we actually licensed movies and TV shows and then redistributed them across the U.S., reaching 85 million TV households. Byron Allen created his own own programming, and so uh, with him clutching a deal with a television group that operated about 15 stations early on out of Baltimore, uh, he was really kind of able to survive because he owned own programming. So I, I do have to give him hats off to what he's been able to accomplish. But um, getting to your question, uh, on 2001, as the end was coming about and people were going online and we were in those sort of desktop modems, I decided to create a entertainment video streaming company called MVC One because it was already tied in, for example, with a lot of the major studios and in, in television national networks. And so uh, really that was our first venture. And we got funding from a company called PSINet that used to have their name on the Baltimore Ravens Stadium for $1.2 million, And that was the beginning of my tech uh, start. Well, you t- you're talking big money um, and, and big deals being being done. I'm actually two weeks away from going to the uh, NATPE in Miami. Is that something that um, you went to? Because I know Byron Allen um, has credit them for, you know, helping him build his TV, um, you know, uh, empire that he's built. Is that something that you, you, you've gone to? Uh, yes, I, I used to go um, to those um, conferences. In fact, that's really kind of how I linked up with uh, a television syndication company called Baruch uh, Syndication out of the Washington, D.C. area. And from that uh, conference, I clinched my deal to get them to do our distribution. And we were um, the licensing arm, my company was the licensing arm and distribution and sales, uh, not distribution, but licensing and placing um, um, some of the content that we license on, on network television in the various TV markets and also responsible for the 32nd national ad sales. So, yes, that those conferences were very valuable in terms of networking and, and submitting deals. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'll make sure I'm, I'll bother you off camera to say any, any tips. Um, this is my first year going to this one and um, you know, I, I hope to, um, to, to catch these deals. Can you, can you tell us about sell app? Because when I look, look at it, you know, I, I see it and I'm like, okay, this, this is great. Um, and I have something on my phone, you know, I started with the Ebay's, and then you have the offer ups and there's seems to be so many of these sell apps. The one difference I did see on sell app that I don't really see on any other platform is you have like fine art in the way that the interface is and it, and it looks good. And I even saw like a, a watch that I said, whoa, hold on. That thing is bling bling. I said is, you know, cash money selling their jewelry on here. So, I mean, what makes sell app? stand out from the the other platforms and unique yeah so sure thanks for asking that question so you know when we looked at the market we saw sort of the uh run of the mill uh peer-to-peer or consumer to consumer marketplace type platforms that 
um, you know, let go and offer up just to mention a two to, to mention two. Uh, and we didn't see vetted or filtered uh, content coming into the platform. Uh, one of the things that has always worked well for me, even uh, when I was distributing and licensing movies, was trying to get the best movies that our money could buy. So staying on the side of premium has always worked for me. And I noticed that there was no sort of peer-to-peer marketplace platform that was marketing or targeting sort of the premium side. So what we decided to do was create filters in each of our product categories that would not allow a buyer to sell a particular item, let's say a watch under a certain price because we associate a lower price being lower quality. So in having these filters in our product category, it naturally brought in um, sellers who were selling more premium and branded items. And so in addition to that on the seller side, it also brought in buyers um, to connect with these sellers and to look at this product that's on our platform that had more discretionary income. So we stepped up the game in terms of you know, adding more quality content and programming, not programming, but more quality products to, to the app. That's, uh, that's definitely impressive. Um, now, are there any, uh, I guess, limitations in terms of uh, how high um, a particular user can sell to another user? I know Kel mentioned the watch, um, but are, are there any caps, platform, um, you know, restrictions? No, there, no, there's none. Uh, I mean, we've had people um, put this, uh, in cars on platform, which we do have. A, um, and, and mentioning also, we also operate uh, in Africa, Nigeria. So we license the platform um, to a group of investors in Nigeria. So um, you have products that might be more popular selling, let's say, in the U.S. versus, let's say, cars is a very popular category in Nigeria versus the U.S. Um, and so you have different dynamics for different markets, but the key underlining uh, foundation for our successful is that the both the buyer and seller recognizes us as more of a premium platform and that's how we're positioned in the market compared to the other ones that are out there so so we could maybe buy like a kantanka uh uh vehicle off the platform uh, that's the ghana car i've been trying to ask them would you guys ship that over and you can't get a straight answer because you know, sometimes things are difficult to do. Um, I just came back from Kenya um, a couple months ago. And so I've been trying to, you know, see how you can get one of those cars here, if America would even let it in and, you know, be on the road. Um, but no, that's, that, that's awesome. Can you give the folks the background? We really like on Diversified Game to give the game. And somebody listening to this says, wow, this all sounds great. Sounds like, you know, um, maybe he was born into money and maybe royalty. How did, how did you get into of doing business? Do you come from money? Was your father a business person? Were you, who were you coached by, mentored by? How did it begin? 
Um, I, I would have to say that, you know, entrepreneurship runs on both sides of my, my family, both in my mother's uh, family, as well as my, my father. My, my father was an amazing sales guy, um, you know, back in the 70s and 60s. So a, a little of that is in my blood. But when I was young, growing up in Tampa, my grandfather owned one of the top um, gas stations at that time was the Phillips 66. And I used to work part-time after school and on the weekends at the gas station. So I was always around individuals that um, were entrepreneurial uh, and successful. So those were role models. I wouldn't say that, you know, my family came from, from wealth. Uh, we were, we were middle-class, but I think that just the sort of instinct and drive was there and ambition was there to, you know, stake out or go out on my own and find, you know, my own thing. And so I think with the ambition, um, with having seen, you know, African-American men in particular being successful in their own businesses, um, you know, that was enough for me, you know, combined with an education that I got from Howard University was enough for me uh, once I was ready to step out on my own to do it. And that, that education from, from Howard, which, um, you know, HBCUs um, tendencies at all of them are, are going down and people say, oh, that's progress. But I, I went to a private Christian school that um, yeah, had a good mix of us because we all played sports. But then I went to Grambling and then the, I went to school prior to that pretty much with all Caucasian people. And I say there was no experience like Grambling, um, and, and I've I've been to Howard, and it's a similar it's a similar vibe. How much of uh, going to an HBCU do you credit to? And, and I mean, I guess the family background. It is like you always saw black people doing business, so it wasn't weird or strange to you. Whereas on the West Coast, sometimes people are like, "You own that gas station," because they don't see that. But how much of going to Howard? Um, do you accredit to the, your, your ventures? Oh, I mean, it was a big factor because, I mean, you, you got kids from all um, across the United States and internationally, you know, coming in uh, to Howard with different backgrounds, different uh, experiences, different levels of uh, family income or wealth. Uh, not everybody certainly going to Howard came from a wealthy family. So you got to see kind of a really diverse melting pot of uh, many different people. And you, for me, at least I was impressed because, you know, just having grown up in Florida and was primarily, uh, we didn't really do a lot of traveling when I was young. That was kind of really the first true exposure to seeing such a dynamic, rich African-American cultural background in, in learning about um, what their families did and the kinds of businesses and professions they were in, you got to kind of really see firsthand or hear firsthand that, wow, there are African Americans that are out there that are, you know, next step away the homes, education, parents, very impactful. 
uh, African American colleges, HSBCUs, you, you have, you know, talent, uh, celebrities, um, successful business people that come and visit the campuses. And so you get to identify with them. These are people you normally would see on TV or in the magazine. You never would have gotten to necessarily meet them. So all of those things uh, were big factors in, in the education um, that, that you got there and the collaboration that you interacted with and interchanged with in terms of, of other students. I mean, all of that was extremely powerful and was very impactful. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So Keith, uh, here's more of like a tech, tech question for you. Uh, considering uh, receiving a tremendous amount of access uh, with Sell Me App, how, how does um, an app, I guess, creator or what should uh, future app creators keep in mind when considering adding new features, adding new functions? Um, you know, when you build it once, it, is that the end all be all? Uh, would you mind sharing some insight on that? Yeah. Um, depending on your discipline, I don't know if you would be the marketing person or the engineering person, but whoever uh, you partner with, if you're the marketing person, you need a really good engineering person because um, that person from the engineering side is going to be responsible for bringing your vision uh, to market. And so it's extremely important uh, to pick the right uh, engineering team or person because um, you'll find that a lot of people, a lot of engineers, a lot of developers, I mean, in this case, um, they won't tell you no that they can't do the project. Who wants to turn down money? But not all of them have the skill sets to pull off what it is that you want. And so, to be quite honest with you, we had to go through four developers before we found the right one. We spent a couple hundred thousand dollars and, and probably lost really two years. So, technically, Cell App uh, ended up being something different than when we first started because it just kept evolving and the market kept changing. So, it, it's critically important to obviously pick the right team member. And once you're able to get your product to market, it does not stop there. That's just you know, you're on the 40 yard line and you still, you know, have to get across the field goal. So you're always investing in improving the app because you're going to see things, you know, when the app is live that you don't see in the development, that's just sort of part for the course because now you're in the real world. So you're going to constantly uh, be improving upon, uh, upon your app. So, you know, your cost of, just developing a product is one thing, but continuing to invest in it and improve it is going to be another thing. And then also on the marketing side, you know, I think it's imperative to find the right digital marketing team if that's not your skill set, um, a team that's got proven talent. Um, so, you know, sort of it's a mix of all these things that you probably have to have in your playbook that you absolutely have in your playbook. Uh, to carry your product forward and to move it forward and to hit certain new milestones. So putting putting the team together and you talk about losing a hundred thousand, some you know there's so many um, apps out there right now when people are creating apps just so they can sell them. I'm in Seattle where venture capital is so um, I don't want to say easy, but it's so accessible to the point where we, we, we've turned down for ventures. We've said, no, we don't, we don't want any money for that right now. We're, maybe we're not ready. 
maybe we don't want to be a partner with you. And people have been kind of shocked. Like um, I've had my wife shocked <laughs> for, for, I'm like, no, we, we can't take that money. But can you talk about when you're doing something like this, do you use your own money or do you go find a VC or an angel investor? Um, how was your process? Um, well, my process was family and friends. So I was fortunate enough to um, have some friends uh, over an extended period of time that had been very successful professionally. And, and I went to them and um, they knew me. They didn't know the product. And it's almost like you're betting really on the jockey, not the horse. Horse being the product, you being the jockey at that early stage, your family and friends are going to invest in you because they may not know enough about your industry or about your product or about your application to know whether or not it's going to survive. And of course I used you know, some of my own money, but most of it was wet equity. Where, you know, I provided uh, the leadership in the company for basic you know, salaries. You know, I just happened to have a decent cushion that sustained me and that allowed me to kind of focus on trying to get this to market full time. Because technically, who am I competing with? I'm competing with uh, young entrepreneurs out of Silicon Valley, 22, 23, 24. They don't have any responsibility. They don't, may not have uh, a mortgage or rent or credit cards or family. So they can spend 24 hours a day in the garage trying to think of the next best thing. So I had to be able to put myself in a position where I had free time in order to get this uh, product to market and so you know it's kind of a long journey and you know it just never stops i can understand uh why an entrepreneur may not want to take certain money early because one you know you have to know what your worth is what your product worth is if someone and i've had many investors that have come to me when we needed money and said okay i'm gonna you know invest in your company but basically what they were offering was 20 cents or 25 cents on the dollar so why would I trade all that I put into this company? Because someone thinks that we're desperate and they could take advantage of that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say no, but I, I can guarantee you, I've always found the money and I, I was able to sleep at night. So oftentimes when you're an entrepreneur, you know, when you don't have a, a lot of access to cash, you're, you're compromised. And, and, and so you just have to know your worth and know what you stand for. So. I mean, we endured all of that. I endured all of that, and, and we're still standing. So uh, that's just par for the course. Well, that, that's, that's definitely some gems right there, Keith. So to piggyback off of that, you know, you building up to this point with your team, uh, what's next for the Cell Lab? Uh, does it evolve into something else? Uh, the transition to building other apps? Uh, what does 2020 and beyond look like? Um, well, our focus really, we are raising a, a Series A round currently um, to take the app to the next level. Um, we are actually talking to uh, partners and investors in other countries uh, because uh, we have the ability to export this and we have the ability to prove that this model works in, in any other country. So we are talking to investors in, in other countries. So our goal really is to, in the next 12 months, is to lock down our Series A uh, and then create, and then hit a certain 
number of milestones in terms of users. Our first year, we were just primarily focused on user growth. So when we launched uh, April, no, I'm sorry, January of 2019, the entire year last year is all focused on user growth. Now in 2020, we'll focus on revenue growth. So um, there are some other uh, property assets that we're looking at in terms of uh, sort of similar ideas that are in a space that are not being touched by the competition that uh, uh, had a lot of synergy to the product that we have. And so we're talking to partners in that area as well. So we, we've got a lot on our plate right now, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. I mean, the progress and, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the progress. And, and, and I can hear like a young entrepreneur saying, okay, um, while you're building that business and you're, you know, going through your series rounds, um, how do I sustain? And we talk all the time. I mean, we're consultants, we're PR people, we're marketers. So we always have, you know, various projects going on. So when we have like another project that it might be a passion project to start, we have something to sustain us. Um, you coming from, you know, that kind of that tech background, what are things that you do while you're waiting for one thing to happen that you do to make money, to make the ends meet that others could possibly do? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of unique in this situation. I, I have not actually focused on anything else. Um, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, every entrepreneur should take that path because it's, you know, it's extremely difficult. But again, you know, I happen to have some savings in place and my expenses were extremely low, you know, over the last number of years. I mean, for a while I didn't have a car. Um, I didn't have credit cards. I didn't have sort of the usual things that you know, would drag along and tie you down in terms of, you know, having to to work somewhere so that you can make these monthly payments. And so I was kind of really fortunate in that situation. Uh, and I know that that's not, you know, the case for everybody. So, um, I, I, you know, you can still uh, do something that's consulting oriented while you're building on your platform uh, until you can get a significant amount of capital that can sustain and provide a salary uh, for for the people in the company. So, you know, my situation, as I said, is just it's just very unique. I had some savings, and I expenses extremely dirt cheap. Okay, awesome. I I can hear someone say. Um, and it's always that that hater, it must be nice. I hate that when people say, oh, it must be nice. And it's like, yeah, I, I work hard and it, it must be nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the thing too is that I, I traded, you know, not having a salary for a number of years, you know. And, you know, it, it, it was not necessarily a good thing because the thing took longer than what I imagined. But you know, I had already gotten a number of investors to uh, invest and I didn't want them to lose their money just because, you know, um, I didn't necessarily, you know, could, you know, do X, Y, and Z that people probably my age could do. No, I'd rather just make the sacrifice, sit tight and wait till we can turn the corner so that, you know, the company um, 
survive because if I walked away or if I gave up or, you know, I had to dedicate my time to something else full time, going back to what I said earlier, you know, I know that, you know, I was in competition with trying to come up with something that, you know, millions of kids sitting in their garage that have no responsibility, no expenses, was trying to do as well. Everybody's trying to come up with the next best sort of Facebook kind of thing. So um, I, it was just a personal choice that I made. And so I wanted to give all that I could and do all that I could and focus to make sure that I could, one, you know, get this product to market. Because really, you know, you really are not taken seriously until you can get a, a product to market. And then two, it doesn't stop there. Um, you know, a lot of investors want to see some revenue. So, you know, it just kind of is a never ending thing. And that wasn't something that I necessarily had a playbook in advance to know, but I kind of went through the trials and tribulations until, you know, I got to that point and I just happened to make the sacrifice. But, you know, I I'm certainly not going to sit here and pretend that it was easy. It certainly wasn't. Okay. 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 Now, um, this comes up a lot, uh, you know, with people that I've encountered. Um, and you may mention that you're uh, embarking upon uh, raising money for your Series A. How does, you know, being the CEO of your company and, um, you know, kind of di directing things, how do you put yourself in position uh, with your investors to say, uh, this is what we believe the company is valued at and, how do you know what to ask for once you acquired that, that valuation? Um, well, it's kind of a tricky thing because um, you can certainly, you know, use comparables of similar companies in the market and say, okay, at series A round, uh, they raised X, Y, and Z, um, or at series C, they raised X round. Well, that, that, may be true but you know maybe it's kind of a jack dorsey kind of person sitting in silicon valley that's got all these relationships and connections i think really in reality that's not the case for most you know tech startups particularly african americans and so i think what you kind of really have to focus on is at this particular stage what is the amount of capital the least amount of capital you think you need to reach the next couple of milestones, big milestones, and then, you know, tie a valuation to that. Because if your valuation is ridiculously high, um, you're not going to get any deal. So I think that you just kind of have to be reasonable. And you have to kind of look at and take stock. Okay, I don't have the relationships in Silicon Valley. I don't have this. I don't have that. But this is what we need to get to the next big milestone. And then tie a valuation to that. It doesn't matter whether or not you know, a company in your industry at this particular stage or the stage that you're at raise a ridiculous amount of money. That, that's not going to factor in. So, you know, those kind of sweetheart deals kind of tend to only happen in Silicon Valley. The rest of the United States doesn't play that game. So I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be really realistic and take stock of, okay, what do you need over the next 18 months? And how can you run a lean organization and operation that's inexpensive? without, you know, putting a valuation on this is going to really make people walk away. So I, I think this is kind of, there's the Silicon Valley, what you read, and then there's reality. I think that those are two opposite worlds. 
And, 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 you know, you talk about the relationships that happen in the Silicon Valley um, as a, a, a connector. <clears throat> and that's what I tell people pretty much what my job is to do. Um, how did you get connected in Africa? Did they come to you or have you been traveling Africa? And um, has that then, you know, it just, you kept met, meeting enough people. But um, yeah, talk about your Africa connection. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, very simple, but, you know, it wasn't something that um, I was sort of zeroing in on. So, you know, daily or certainly every week, I'm, you know, combing through LinkedIn and other um, reading articles on different things. And just so happened, um, there was a guy uh, that was a principal partner at KPMG uh, at that time in Nigeria that had written something that was talking to me, you know, in terms of what he wrote, it was like, wow, this is kind of a fit with what I'm doing. And basically I, I, I wrote him through LinkedIn. He wrote back, the conversation started from there. He came to New York. I met him in New York. Uh, I went to Lagos. Uh, we chatted there and we got a deal done and that's kind of how it started. It wasn't really me on LinkedIn every day looking for an investor. It just so happened in my daily reading and keeping up that this guy wrote something that was a fit to me and I reached out to him and it started from there. And then since then, I've been to Kenya. I was actually in Kenya really probably about two months ago. I've been in um, <clears throat> in South Africa going to Ghana with the state of Florida on a trade mission. So you know, now Africa is starting to open up to me uh, as a result of, um, of that deal that I got done in Nigeria. I knew you looked familiar, Keith. I thought I saw you. We were in Kenya around the same time. Were you at the Kapinski? Uh, I, I, you know what? I was so busy. Uh, and that was my first time in Kenya. I got dropped in Nairobi. And 80% was just on meetings, meetings, and I was all over the place. I don't really know where I was. And really, like, only the last day and a half before I left that I really got a chance to kind of get out and do something. So we could have run into each other. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Okay. We, we brought 30 people to Kenya with a, a client's platform, and uh, most of them had never been to Africa before. So we, we, we were at the Kapinski, and so that's usually where – um, you know, people doing business, if they don't stay there, they at least go have a meeting there because it's a beautiful place and where Obama and all the presidents go when they go to Kenya or their wives. Um, that, but no, that's, um, no, that, that's awesome. Um, and please keep us posted on the, the, you know, what's going on in Africa because Africa is just wide open right now. And why should we, um, not get a piece of that? Um, I think we should be, you know, uh, right there with the Chinese, adding our value and our skills. And so, no, I'd, I'd love to hear more on that. And if anybody out there is listening, you know, from Rwanda or anywhere else that he hasn't mentioned, reach out and see where, you, you know, you can strike a deal and, and how things can, um, how sell, sell app and everything else. Sell app is your, your focus, I know, right now. But in your your other time, I don't like to call off time for an entrepreneur. What are your interests? I mean, do you play the guitar and the piano? 
live band? Uh, I, I actually read a lot and I go to the gym and um, quite frankly, I, I get to, to travel um, to some amazing places. So, you know, when I, when I do travel, unfortunately, Kenya was uh, time pressed because there was a specific reason why I, you know, why I was there and it wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't very long. But, you know, culturally, I, I do, when I travel, do like to learn about the cultures uh, in the country that, that I'm in. So traveling uh, is one big thing, you know, working out is, is the second one, and, and I, I read a lot. So I would say those three. Solid, solid, solid. Keep, um, what was the last, uh, last great book you've read? Um, you know, I read, um, well, there is this one uh, sort of startup on, on startup financing and things like that. I, I couldn't actually tell you the title because I don't really absorb the titles. I just kind of read them and grab them as I, I can. But what I do do is I, I do do a lot of reading online. So I'm constantly keeping up with what's changing in the industry, what's happening in my space, uh, following the research, looking at uh, competitors in terms of you know, uh, the moves that they are making. So I'm constantly engaged. I don't really kind of focus on titles. But, uh, I, I do read a lot. So to ask me what the last title was, I probably have two in my backpack here in the Dominican Republic. And uh, it could the but generally, small business. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and then, uh, uh, my well, book. actually, actually, I just grabbed it. It's called the. Actually, I just, I just grabbed it. It's called the Art of the Startup Fundraising by Alejandro Quimetas. Solid, solid, solid. And my um, follow up to that would be, um, Keith. With every guest that we do have here on Diversify Game, we definitely like to peel the layers back, and uh, we appreciate you sharing so much of your your insight and. Uh, how you've gotten to the point where you are today. Um, what we also like to look into is that uh, with all the impact that you've made, um, are there any charitable causes or uh, community give back that really, um, you know, uh, move you, you know, touch your soul, touch your spirit that you want to contribute to the next um, young man or young lady? Uh, what we actually just did here in the Dominican Republic is uh, we've done this uh, two years straight on December 6th is their big day. It's a holiday for uh, it's kind of the day of kings and queens that they give toys uh, to Chris. I mean, to, to kids. I mean, they do it around Christmas time as well, but this is kind of a bigger day. So we just did a uh, fundraiser for 50 kids where we uh, donated uh, toys uh, to kids, underprivileged kids in uh, a small city in the Dominican Republic called Benin. And so it was really kind of really a great experience to put, to see a, a kid uh, receive something and, and get a smile on their face. And, and so it's, you know, reciprocal, you get a smile on your face and you do something to start the new year out right. We did that. Uh, just a few days ago in the Dominican Republic, and we also did it last year in the capital in Santo Domingo. So uh, normally when I travel, what I, I, I like to try to do when um, I have the time and I can coordinate it, I did it actually last year in Ethiopia and Addis Ababa, is go into a school 
and talk to kids about entrepreneurship, talk to them about their dreams and their aspirations and things that, um, that they, they love to do. So uh, I'm always, uh, I wouldn't say always, I would say certainly a couple times a year, finding ways to make sure that I contribute back. Impressive. Thank you. Keith and, I, Keith, Keith and I um, are, are traveling around the same time to the same places. I haven't done the Dominican Republic yet, but I, I need to do it now, right now But um, with the weather. But um, how, how did you like Addis and did you um, go to Michele or any other regions while you were there? No, I, I was just in uh, Addis Ababa. I actually, I, I really loved it. I mean, um, people were just genuinely nice. Um, I mean, I felt safe. Uh, the culture is just rich in heritage. And I mean, it was just kind of really amazing. I mean, as, you know, Americans and particular African-Americans, we need to reconnect with the continent, wherever that might be, East Africa, South Africa, uh, you know, West Africa. It's just you know, when you go there, you kind of feel like home. So, um, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm doing a lot more traveling uh, into Africa. I'm going to Tagata, uh early February, and then actually maybe uh, in Nairobi um, shortly thereafter as a follow-up to while I was there, um, you know, a couple of uh, weeks ago. So, um, it, I mean, Ethiopia is just amazing. I love Ethiopia, and I would definitely go back. Okay, yeah, it's 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 an awesome place, and there are some things there um, that I'll just say, if import export, you know, there's some things you can bring in, some things you can't, but it, it's such a rich culture. I'm more of a fan of Michele than Addis. Addis is is nice, but Michele is even more chill, um, and you can see that the Chinese are putting up um, massive hotels there um that you know folks are um are, are really uh, running to and it's just it's just a beautiful beautiful time so i mean you're doing a lot um for our folks in ghana and i'm going to share this um and, I, and i'm going to thank uh our friend don uh the the psalm from south africa who who put us together um who's all she's always thinking about me and um appreciate it um because that's this is how things connect. This is how I connected with Keith. I get a WhatsApp. Hey, you got to meet this guy. He's in South Africa doing big business, spending all the rand. He has helicopters, you know, flying. <laughs> you know, just doing grand stuff. <laughs> the 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 way we're supposed to do it when we travel um, out of the country. So yeah, just just beautiful, um, beautiful time. Um, let the people know, I mean, I'm going to let them know in the description, uh, link for the cell app will be there, but if there are any serious people who want to do business with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Um, they can contact me at support at cell, F E L L A P P dot M E support at cell app dot me. Okay. Okay. Well, no, this is, this, this has been awesome. I, I want to um, thank you for coming on and giving us the game on the cell app. And um, you know, we will talk uh, again because I, I'm even thinking um, when you are, you know, making that um, 
you know, next push for the money. Um, some other media for a, a client of ours that um, has a great platform on YouTube that could, you could come on and give more inspiration and just give the game all day. So I appreciate you. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.